really nobody really starts right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know anybody that does it right. And even in the people, even the people that do it right, once they get married, they find out that they're doing it wrong, you know? Yeah. And it is a, a coming together. Steve was wild. I, I mean, when I married him, it was like, and I can still say there's never been a dull moment um, because we had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. Um, we had, we are very compatible. We, we actually really enjoyed one another and, um, and but, still do. And we still do except, on occasion. Except on podcasts. <laughs> Welcome to the Danielle Hage Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Hage. Danielle is my mother-in-law and Nini to my three girls. She has over 40 years experience in family and marriage relationships. She's been married for 43 years to Steve Hage, who travels the world preaching the gospel. And together, they pastor a church in Laguna de Gal, California. So I'm so glad you're here again. <laughs> and today is a really special episode, so tell us about it. Yes, it's our, our very first guest on this uh, podcast, and my husband, Steve, is coming on, and we're just going to tell you our story. I want to introduce him to all of you, and we're just how we met and how we have managed to sustain a 43-year-long marriage. Yes, I can't wait. This is so good. Let's get into it. Okay, so today, I am so excited because I'm having my very first guest on my podcast, and who other, of course, than the most important person in my life, which is my husband. How Steve. are you? <laughs> it's such a profound privilege to be uh part of this really this awesome thing that God is doing. And uh I am so very proud of you and, and all the impact you're making on lives and people and um like the accumulation of your years of study and our marriage and our journey and how you've somehow found a way to communicate that to the masses and uh, bring encouragement to people's lives and a little criticism from some folks. Yeah. But that's uh, all right. There's always going to be that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about, um, you know, we've been married. We just celebrated 43 years. Of marriage, we have. yeah, and I thought it'd be fun to talk, kind of tell our audience how we met and how we've sustained a forty-three long marriage because it's not always been easy, and we've definitely have had our obstacles and our hurdles. Yeah, but we committed when we got married. I came from a divorced home, and you came from um, a blended family, and not because your parents divorced, but your mom died when mm-hmm. you were very young. Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew that I never wanted to have a divorce in my life. And so I knew that we were going to, for me, it was, I will do whatever it takes to keep this marriage together. And we both were in agreement with that in, mm-hmm. in unity starting out. So I thought it might be fun for you to tell people how we met. And well, you I, give your version, then I'll give my version. Uh, you know, I, I just remember the condition I was in when we met. How old and, were you? And, uh, what was I, 20? I think 21. 21, yeah. So I've been shaving for like three days. You know, <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, fully developed in my emotional mm. maturity faculty. and But I was incredibly focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, in those days, I was more of an extremist, all or nothing kind of stuff. And so I had decided that I was going to go for the ministry uh, I had a pretty radical conversion and could not see myself doing anything else. And that 
women or girls at that time were uh, a distraction. So I decided the next uh, person I dated was going to be my wife. And you were not that person because you were this wild child, this, you know, beach blonde, bubbly, bimbo-y kind of, <laughs> kind of chick. I kind of probably was. Yeah. You <laughs> At know, that time. That, that, that was, was, in su- was in such a hurry, you only shaved half of your legs. Because <laughs> that was the cool thing. I was all natural. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was a, a ghetto kid from, uh, you know, P-Town and... um you know, I, I didn't know how to dress. I wasn't trying to be, I was into my Bible, into witnessing. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a pastor and I had no interest whatsoever in the distractions of love. Yes. And then here comes Daniil. Because your best friend from high school, you're out of high school now, but Mm -hmm. the friend that you ran around in high school, you Mm -hmm. both were Christians Yeah. and you kind of split ways. And that best friend was dating my sister. Yeah, well, he backslid, which would have been the only way he could have dated your sister. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> because there's no Christian that would have ever dated your sister. Uh, and then you guys get born again. And so he's Me like- Me and my sister, yes. So then he's like, there's only one Christian I know. His name's Steve Hage. And uh, he called me and said, dude, I got to talk to you. And uh, And so then he tells me about- his girlfriend getting saved. And then you happened to be the sister. And I had, you know, I was a, a church guy with my head down and in my Bible. And in, I, I had, I think I was done with seminary, but, uh, you know, and then here you come and, and he asked you to come talk to us yeah, because we had all these questions. And then your presence activated some emotional activity <laughs> that I hadn't felt in a really long time. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? <laughs> well, and and so I went into the, uh, you know, the discipline of uh, denying my feelings and my attractions, which I've heard you say uh, over the years that you, that that really wasn't an issue for you. You weren't attracted <laughs> to me at all. So here I'm dealing with an attraction that I feel is uh, satanic. <laughs> And, and, uh, it's going to be a distraction from my destiny. And you think I'm some frumpy guy that has gum bottom shoes on, you know? And, uh, so it, it really wasn't, uh, you know, love at first sight for sure. So, you know, that's what happened. I mean, you know, and you were going to Rod Stewart concerts and Living my best life. Going to Hawaii, <laughs> going to Hawaii on vacation at 19 years old. And, and, I'm 18. O- 18, and I'm over here driving a 57 Volkswagen with a hefty bag for a window. And uh, <laughs> I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And, and so it just started. So I went to my pastor. I'm like, I think I have an attraction to this. He goes, let it develop. And I, you know, I hadn't dated or anything in three years, but uh, yeah. And then we went out that night after okay. that Bible study. Okay, wait, wait. So then he tells me, right. after three times of being around each other, mm-hmm. he says, um, I need to talk to you. And I was sharing a one-bedroom apartment with my sister. Mm-hmm. I think I was just 18. Mm-hmm. And my sister went to bed, and it's late. And he says, I need to talk to you. And he takes my hand, and he said, I just want you to know. I'll never forget that. that I was... never will either. <laughs> we were sitting on the carpet. We yes, were, we were on the ground. Yeah. And you, and you were laying down because you were getting, you had to go to work that night at yeah. midnight. You were at your graveyard. Yeah. And you said, I just want you to know that you're a very likable girl, <laughs> but 
I want nothing to do with you because you're a distraction. <laughs> and I'm going to be a pastor one day and I do not need any distractions in my life. And I was like, why are what? you answering? What? Why are you answering questions nobody's asking? I didn't you know? say, do you like me? <laughs> are we going to get married? I was just like, what? Why is he telling me this? Yeah. But you are so all or nothing. And right. so you had just had to let me know and put me in my place. And I remember just going, what the heck was that? <laughs> right. And then we ended up talking for a very long time that evening. And I went to bed that night and I said to my sister, am I going to marry this guy? Mm. What possessed me to say that? I have no idea because I'm so young. I have so many things I want to do. And I wasn't attracted to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm not even thinking like that. Mm -hmm. And so, but that question, there was something that sparked in me. And then literally 18 months later, we were married. Literally. I was 19. You were 22. Yeah. And it happened really fast. And everybody thought we were crazy. Our parents were like, what, what? What? Yeah. And your dad never even liked me. <laughs> no, he did not. I remember him yelling at me in his underwear one night, telling me I was an arrogant uh, body part. But, um, <laughs> but and yeah. he probably was right. At you that were pretty time. cocky back then. Yeah. You kind of still are, but. <laughs> no, I, 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 hey, I'm old now. <laughs> You, know. you, he was a very cocky, very confident, um, 22 year old for sure. Yeah. So we get married and then we say, we are so young. We're not going to have kids or start a family. No I mean, way. I'm 19, he's 22. So we had all these, these things that we wanted to do in ministry. Yeah. Oh, and I remember he sat me down and he said, now, look, I want you to know I'm going to be a pastor. And he goes, and that makes you a pastor's wife. And he goes, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, wait. I grew up Catholic. I'm like, and priests didn't have wives. I go, well, what is a pastor's wife? What, what, what is her role? What, what does she do? Mm -hmm. And I was in college and I hadn't quite, I was undecided, undeclared in college. I hadn't quite decided what I wanted to do. I was just new. I was just figuring it all out. But I knew that one day I definitely wanted to have mom. I wanted to have kids and be a mom, but I knew, but I also wanted a career. I thought I'm going to have a career because my mom got divorced early and she always said, you always want to have something to fall back on because mm -hmm. she didn't. And she had four kids mm -hmm. and now she's a single mom. And she kind of ingrained that into the kids, me, my sister. And I thought I have to get a degree. I have to have my education. And so I was focused on that. I'm like not even thinking marriage. And then we decide to get married because now I'm a Christian. And I mean, let's just face it. We wanted to have sex. And we well, she did. <laughs> And we knew that, if, you know, being in the ministry and being Christians that, you know, uh, you got to. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody does. And that's why everyone gets married when they're 19. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, we know what. I want to know what love is. We don't know what love is. We know, we we know no what clue. sex is. We thought we knew. But anyway, so then, so we had all these plans. We're going to go on the mission field. We're going to do this and this. And I'm going to finish my education and get my degree. And then four months into marriage. We're on a bunk bed at a youth camp, and voila, Christian was conceived. <laughs> so hey. we have decided to partner with Strong Cell. That's awesome. Because we've been using Strong Cell for, what, a year maybe? And we like it. <laughs> and I just have to say, you know, for me, I mean, I'm 62 years old, and I feel like I have all kinds of energy. I, I right. don't get that afternoon slump. I, I know so many people that'll say, oh my gosh, I just got to take a cat nap or I need another cup of coffee. I drink one cup, cup, cup of coffee in the morning 
rarely do I need a second coffee mm-hmm. in the afternoon. What I notice is that like my day starts out, I will I will get up at five o'clock in the morning. I go work out for an hour at the gym. I'll do 30 minutes cardio, 30 minutes weightlifting. Then from there, I go straight to pickleball, play for an hour, hour and a half. And from there on some days, not every day, I go straight to swim my laps. And I'll swim anywhere between 50 and 80 laps. Yeah. And then I come home and have my coffee and I feel amazing. I feel great. And then just the other day, did all those things and sat for six hours in my office preparing a teaching that I had to do. And it wasn't until one o'clock in the afternoon, finally the hunger pang broke through my focus and said, oh, I need to eat. And I just, I don't know, but I think taking strong cell has just given me that that energy that, um, I don't know, I feel I feel like I can focus and I love it. I don't want to be without it. I'm going to well, be using and it I, you know, I have the same experience, same <laughs> commentary. You know, I'm 66 years old. Uh, I'm a gym guy. And I can tell the the extra little bit, the extra bit that it provides an yeah. overall sense of well-being. My joints aren't hurting. I'm light on my feet. I'm ready to go. I'm focused in my office. Uh, you know, and we haven't we haven't been sick since we've been taking this. Uh, and I mean, not even a cold, not even a sniffle, uh, not even a headache for me. And um, so all I know is this is a game changer for, uh, for us. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're health conscious people, but strong cell has really changed, uh, our lives for the better, the quality of life, the way we feel, the way we roll, the, what we do. And, uh, I don't know if it's a miracle in a bottle or whatever (laughs) it is, but, uh, I really want to recommend everybody who's hearing our voice. Uh, there's some kind of, uh, special that strong cells providing people that yeah. uh if you if you're interested um go to strongcell.com you'll get lots more information there um wait strongcell.com slash danny d-a-n-i mm-hmm. and then you if you use the discount code danny d-a-n-i 20 you will get 20 percent off and try it for just 30 days and see yeah. if it doesn't change something I bet after two or three weeks, you're going to be like, whoa, I can't really put my finger on what's going on here. But my overall sense is elevated Mm -hmm. and uh, something good. And (laughs) and I think that this will contribute to uh, a healthy lifestyle and uh, it'll really give you a boost. So get busy and get it. So four months into it, I get pregnant. And you want to you want to talk about a wait a minute. I'm yeah. not ready. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, we And I, I was excited because I I was like this little kid. It was like playing house to me. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I never have a child and he that you were stressed. No, well, cuz I was having out. to cuz I'm carrying the protector provider. Yeah. Uh which we weren't really educated in those kinds of things that you're educating people in now. But listen, what I what I understand uh am understanding is Really, nobody really starts right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know anybody that does it right. And even in the people, even the people that do it right, once they get married, they find out that they're doing it wrong, you know, and it is a, a coming together. And, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what's love define love for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't want to go with the Bible definition of patience and kind and those behaviors. Although that is, that is the definition. But I I think, I think that this is what I think. 
really for me. Yes, the application and the walking out of the biblical definition of something is the highest way, but I've boiled it down to this. Love is the ability to overlook someone's humanity. Now, I'm not talking about toxic humanity. I'm not talking about abuse or addiction Mm -hmm. or, you know, other things that are, uh, you know, you want to. That can wreck a relationship. You want to adjust the proximity to somebody like that. But I'm just talking about normal, healthy people are going to provide you things to overlook. Right, right. And the closer you get to somebody, the more they provide you, the more things they provide you to overlook. And I think that that is choosing love. Like, I am not going to make these non-issues issues. I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's, you cannot live your life uh, running everything through the filters of your personal preferences and be successful relationally, in my opinion. So uh, I think that I've provided you over the years lots of things that you just have to go, you know, I'm just going to have to overlook that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to change that in him. I don't want to change that in, I mean, I'm not going to try to convert my husband into a woman. And then there's things that you've uh, said and done. Only one or two things that you've had to Yeah, but they're big. (laughs) They're big things. Major. Big. They're like, you know, they're like Mount Everest kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. Well, and all of that was a process because we were young. What did we know? But I remember I dived into, we, we were fully committed to the church and fully committed to being accountable. And mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, one of the things, cause you, he was young and he was wild. He was wild. I, I mean, when I married him, it was like, and I can still say there's never been a dull moment um, because we had a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. Um, we had, we are very compatible. We, we actually really enjoyed one another and, uh, and but, still do. And we still do except, on occasion. Except on podcasts. <laughs> I'll say, go ahead. But, but I remember thinking, I was so lucky because he had a lot of older men around him that he really looked up to and that he really respected. And I always tell young women, you don't want to marry a man who doesn't have any other men around him that can hold him accountable. It could be his dad or a a teacher or a boss, you know, someone he works for, or just a good friend that will tell him the truth. And so when we would come, when we would get in arguments and we, if we couldn't, if we came to a standstill, and we could not get past it. And you were thinking about something one way, and I was thinking about thinking about it another way. And we just would keep going around and around. I remember I would always say, okay, let's take it to the men that you respect. Let's take it to our pastor. And if I'm wrong, I'll back down, fully submit to you. If you're wrong, then you've got to back down. And whenever, I don't think we ever had to do that. No. I would just say, okay, Steve. So let's go to the men that you respect. Well, and you would go, okay, never mind. What, what do you want? Okay. Again? No, I, that's true. <laughs> that's probably that's probably true. It um, is true. <laughs> although I don't remember. Of course not. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that, like, there's this, there's this truth that says brothers are born mm-hmm. for adversity. So the men in a man's life, the men in a man's life, the woman, the women in a woman's life are born for those difficult times. In other words, you're not, you don't have the equipment. You don't have the, 
uh, the wherewithal from time to time to get through tough stuff by yourself. Uh, healing usually takes place in the confines of community. Like if you can commit to a community, that community will heal you. Mm-hmm. It'll reveal it. You'll feel it. So God can heal it. Right. So, but I remember, so, so I remember understanding that I had to have people in my life for the hard times, but it doesn't say, you know, brothers are born in adversity. It's they're born for adversity. So you got to get your accountability. You got to get your influence. You have to get your authority uh, set up before the trouble comes. So you have something to access when there are standstills in relationships. And, and as I recall, I was dealing with probably because the way I was raised, just, you know, indescribable or undescribable insecurities, yeah, uh, abandonment issues. You know, my mom passed away when I was five years old. And so I had this thing in my soul. In fact, every counselor I've ever talked to is like, you got abandonment issues. And, and it's not what happens in your life. It's the lie that comes through the door of what happens in your life or what you believe about what happened in your life. You always say events are neutral. So my mom, you know, dying of cancer when I'm five years old lodges something into the psyche or the soul of a young man. So I kept thinking, I kept battling and didn't really have the tools to get victory over it at that time. Uh, if I love someone, they're going to leave me. Mm. If I love them, they're going to leave me. I love my mom. She left me. Mm -hmm. There must be something about me that causes people that once they get to know me, they leave me, they leave me. And, uh, and so that was, that caused tremendous, uh, control, anger, uh, turmoil on the inside of me when I have this woman that I love, but in my mind, the narrative I'm running through my mind is she's going to leave. She's going to leave mm-hmm. once she gets to know me. And, and there were times when you were like, where's that guy was dating? Yeah. Who's this person yeah. that's slamming doors and walking out and won't communicate. And I just, you know, at- yeah, because I was noticing some behaviors in him that, you know, we, we, you know, love is blind and you see what you see when you're dating and you're on your best behavior and then you get married and are living with someone and day then in here they come. and day out and all that stuff, you know, and maybe something I did triggered, you know, the abandonment issues in him. Maybe but, but, something you did. <laughs> but I remember. Maybe something you still do. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> sitting you're there. You're like Daniil Trigger Hage. What, what are you talking about? But I mean, Wait. don't you think, isn't she triggering something in all of you today? I remember, like, Do you just, read the comments? <laughs> Maybe I triggered something. I don't know. It could be. Because no. I'm getting down to the root of, of the issue. Of course you are. You're flushing. And I would, because that's your anointing, to flush I would just up. ask you questions like, why did you <laughs> say it? Or do it like that. I really wanted to know. And I was, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just curious and interested. And some of the, like, I was like peeling the onion and he didn't want that onion peeled. And I remember on many occasions, you just getting up, walking out, slamming the door, I'd hear your car and I'd be like, what did I I say? Because pride, (laughs) pride tells you to hide. Yes. And shame silences you and tells you to hide. And you, I think, came 
from an environment that you felt very ashamed of in well, your family. This, there well, was a lot of dysfunction. Well, and, and there and and shamed people shame people. Right. So you know, I'm raised by a dad, and he didn't know how to navigate the loss of his wife. Sure. And, uh, and he was raised in a very oh, abusive home. So, and if you don't pass it back to the cross, you pass it on to your kids. So yeah. we've got all of these things we're contending with. Um, and then we're trying to love each other, Yeah, you know? And I think a lot of times we're after the same things. We just kept missing each other's hearts. And that's where, that is where the work is. Yeah. That marriage is a people growing machine. Absolutely. You know, and, and and they, whoever they are, the experts say that you grow best in a loving, intimate, spiritual relationship. Yeah. That, I mean, right. all, you 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 weed out all the junk too in there. And those those are the well, hard Well, and times. I think, and I think the way mm-hmm. you know God has manufactured you, which is, you know, evidencing in what you're doing with your life now mm-hmm. uh, started with you asking those questions of me. Like the same questions you were asking of me. What's behind that? Yeah. What's going on with that? That is an obstacle to a successful relationship, to successful parenting, to, to harmonious, healthy, happy marriage. Uh, those questions just for whatever reason, mm-hmm. maybe because they were absent or they were suspect in the environment you grew up in and the marriage that your mom and dad had and then fell apart and then the remarried and that, all that, all those layers of your life. It, uh, it caused you to start asking questions maybe that you didn't even know you needed answers to questions that maybe you didn't even know were the questions. So you start asking me those right. questions. Right, because there were behaviors that I saw that were to me embarrassing, annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just immaturity. You know, he's a guy. He's, you know, he had no training. I mean, the most training you had was Bible college and the, these men of God that you were around, but not very many years no, ago. I was, before the guy, we met. I was the guy that the pastor's wife gave oh my the book of etiquette to because I have no clue on. Look, I, I went to one wedding. In my whole life, and it was at my Uncle Richard's house in the garage. And then like, the next wedding you went to was a church yeah, wedding. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, no, that. tell the people what you did. I didn't, I'd never <laughs> been to a wedding. Oh, come on. So the first wedding, nice <laughs> wedding he goes to. Okay, so we're at this wedding. Uh, I'd never really been to a wedding. The other, last wedding I went to, the reception was in the garage, and they had like uh, some six packs of cores. <laughs> and uh, I'm serious. The wedding was in a garage. Got it. So the new okay. wedding. So now I'm in a, a church and the, the pastor buys me a suit and I got this Afro and this attitude and I have never been around people that had any kind of real manners, manners or class. <laughs> well, they had class, but it was all low, you know? So, uh, anyway, I, I'm not mad. I didn't know any different. So yeah. I had never been to a reception. I didn't know about cutting the cake. I didn't know about the traditional things. So I go to the wedding. I'm with some guys from the youth group. I'm a young kid and they go, okay, everyone go over to the reception. And I see a wedding cake. And the bride and groom are probably taking the bride pictures. and groom are not in there. Right? No one's in there. Right. We're like the first 10 people in there. We walk in there. I see a cake. I see the, the, the knife with the bow on it and all that. I had no idea that you're supposed to wait 
for the bride and groom to come to cut the cake and oh. they feed it to each other. So I walk over, there's plates. I, I cut myself oh, a nice. piece of the cake. <laughs> and when the pastor's wife walks in and I'm eating a piece of the wedding cake. <laughs> She loses her ever-loving mind and screams, <laughs> Steve H., what are you doing? They had to turn the cake around for oh pictures because there was a slice out of it. And I'm eating it. <laughs> you, they probably thought, who is this kid? He is a so, piece of work. So so <laughs> your, your uh, description of me of like, how am I going to train this circus animal uh, <laughs> is very real. Okay, so, but, but, so... You know, we didn't start out right, but we've lasted uh, and I'll say thrived for 43 years. We have three wonderful children. We have five awesome grandchildren. Um, you know, our ministry is a alive. It's thriving. Your, your podcast is making significant impact around the world. Uh, and how did God take that and turn right. it into this? And so what do you think maybe two or three things that uh, you've had to embrace that have lent itself to what I guess we could categorically describe as the success? Yeah. People of- ask us all the time, have you done it? How have you done that? Mm-hmm. When in this day and age, so many people divorce. I really think, number one, we do love each other. Like we don't have to fake it. We do love each other. We know that love is not a feeling. It's not something we wake up every single day feeling all in love and euphoric. Faded a long time ago, but we committed and chose to continue to love each other. Mm. And and um, I think the community that we surrounded ourselves with all through our years, we were always in a church. We always had a church family, whether we were leading it or serving in it, volunteering our time. So we had a good community of like-minded people with us. Um, so there was that accountability. We've always had people over us There's that we no respected. Doubt. Still do. Still do. That we have made ourselves accountable to. Um, and I think, I think God is the center of our relationship and just our devotion and dedication to our family, to one another, to God, to our ministry. I think all of those pieces play a significant role. Yeah. And so for me, I, I despise males that don't act like men. What's that look like? So just because you got the plumbing doesn't make you a man. It makes you a male. And so what a man does, and I, I'm, this is just me. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just saying in my own personal relationship to myself, uh, a man is responsible. He sets the thermostat for the home. Uh, he finds a way. He leads the way. He knows the way, shows the way, goes the way. Um, and I always felt responsible to provide, to protect, mm-hmm. to uh, be the one to forgive first, to not invent rationale, to give myself permission to break covenant. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find a way when it doesn't look like there's any way. That's number one. Number two, there are times in every marriage, I think, Daniil, that we stay married because of the kind of woman that you are and not the kind of man that I'm being. And then there's other times that we stay married because of the kind of man that I was and not the kind of woman that you are. Right. And that those moments where you're in the intersection, you're in a junction mm-hmm. and you got to get an unction in the junction to move toward your goal. And that is taking responsibility. You got to do it. And then the third thing is that there is a higher 
uh, final authority in my life as a man Mm -hmm. and in your life as a woman and as a husband and as a wife. And that is what God says about things. Listen, if you think you're not going to have to forgive in 43 years, if you, if you don't think you're going to have to power through struggles in 43 Mm -hmm. years, if you think that you're not going to have some challenges with your children, Mm -hmm. uh, challenges in your money, health challenges, uh, differences, challenges. God never asked you to run your life through the filters of your personal preferences. There is a selflessness that is necessary in order to achieve relational success. And so, uh, you know, I just committed to that. You committed to that. Um, you know, and we're still working on it. Yeah. You know, it's still is a, uh, it's a challenge and, and we're working it out. And, um, yeah, and I'm know, happy. And I always think, you know, um, you know, people say, oh, it's so hard. Well, life's hard. Sometimes life is hard. You know, staying married is hard. Getting a divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Yeah, like yeah. both ways, it's going to be hard. So yeah. decide which one is going to, is worth it. And it's going to work. And best I'll for have you. to say probably in the last five or seven years is it hadn't been hard for me. Uh, I don't feel like our marriage. I mean, I think we've had moments, m- months where we had really hard times. Mm -hmm. But then I think overall in Mm -hmm. 43 years, I feel like we're good. We love each other. We're very compatible. And even now, even now that we don't even, you know, we don't like doing all the same things anymore that we used to do Um, for different reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. I still like to ski. Steve's knees can't take it anymore. So he's, he's like, I support you in that. Go skiing with your girlfriends. And and, you know, like just different things that he likes that I don't like. It's like we've just given each other the space to do what makes you happy. You let me do what makes me happy. And we're, we're good with that. So, yeah. So you can make it. It doesn't really. It, it's doable. It, it, it's, not, it, it's not a determining factor how you start. Yeah, absolutely. It's how you finish. So we love you guys. We're for you. And guess what? God will call you to something, but he'll never show you the middle. Yeah. You just got to, you know, you, you got the beginning and you got the end, but he never shows you the middle and you got to figure the middle out. And, uh, and, but it's, it's an adventure, isn't it? Yeah. And so worth it. So yeah. worth it for your kids and your grandkids. And All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks, Thanks for, for lowering your standard and having me as a guest. <laughs> Wow, I really enjoyed today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, share it, hit the notification bell so you know when the next one's coming at you. Leave a comment down below and make sure you follow Daniil on Instagram and Facebook.